You're listening to the Reconciling Hope Podcast, where the leadership team of Gospel Hope Church discusses how the Bible transforms our beliefs, actions, and impacts our relationship with God and with others. Well, hey, good morning, Gospel Hope and others who will choose to dial into the Reconciling Hope Podcast. Welcome back. Um, I'm here with Pastor Ryan. As you know, he preached the second message in our series, It's Complicated. And for those of you who might be just tuning in, um, that whole series is designed to walk us through the unique relationship landscape um, of the life of David. And out of that, learn, um, one, just how complicated relationships can be, but above all that, how faithful the Lord is in light of some of those complicated relationship dynamics. And so... Uh, this week, Ryan, you walked us through um, one of the most iconic Bible stories of all time, David mm-hmm. and Goliath. And, um, you know, believers and non-believers are familiar with this story. And you start off with a very interesting setup. You encourage us, or maybe you just pointedly tell us, and I want to talk about this, that when we think about the story of David and Goliath, we should not be envisioning ourselves as David and Goliath as whatever the issue of the day is. But we really, if we want to be faithful to the text, should be seeing ourselves as the cowering armies. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that uh, and why that's important for the for, for just a faithful understanding of the story? Yeah. Now, now I wouldn't say we're not to identify with David at all, but okay. I, I would say that uh, we're not primarily to identify with David. And, and the, the reason that I come to that conclusion um, is, you know, there's a, there's a really key passage after Jesus has resurrected in the gospel of Luke chapter 24. Uh, he's on the road to Emmaus and he's walking with two of his disciples and they don't know who he is. And um, they're talking about the crucifixion and um, they don't know what's going on. And they're like, what, what happened? We thought this was the Christ. This We thought he was him. And then Jesus gives what I think is the most critical hermeneutics lesson in the whole scripture. And, and he basically says to these two disciples, haven't you read the Old Testament? Um, because if you read the Old Testament, you would have known that the Christ had to die and then rise from the dead um, to fulfill the scripture. And then he, he gives them this overview of the scripture. And it says, beginning with Moses, the very first part of the Bible, and going through all the prophets, that's the rest of the Old Testament, really. He interprets the thing in all the scriptures concerning himself. Hmm. In other words, it seems that in Jesus' mind, the Bible is not fundamentally a book of heroes, Hmm. but it's a book of a hero, one singular hero. The whole Bible points to Christ. So Hmm. I I just believe that, you know, the story of David and Goliath and all, all of the other Old Testament narratives, there are character lessons that we're supposed to learn. But the Old Testament is not primarily like Aesop's fables, you know, a story with a good moral lesson. But really, if we read the Bible like Jesus read the Bible, it's a book about him. So Jesus is really the hero of every story. And though there are certainly things we can learn from David's life and his victory over Goliath, I think the primary intent of that passage is to help us to see that our greater David, the new and better David, came and conquered the Goliath, the giants that we could not face in our lives on our behalf. David stood on behalf of the Old Testament people of God, and Jesus stands on behalf of all those who would ever trust in him. 
Amen. Amen. So uh, a Christ-centered hermeneutic is what's most critical in these biblical stories. And sometimes we may get displaced. We may not yeah. be the, the star of the show. At, at, at base, Jesus would always end up being the star of the many of these stories. Yeah, uh, because the re reality is, too, as we add on that, we, we talked about this in the first um, message in the series, that you there's a lot of things in David's life that you shouldn't emulate. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was a man after God's own heart, but he had some catastrophic failures during his life as well. So uh, David's not the star of the Bible or even his own story. Jesus is the star of the story. And that's true of everybody who follows his Jesus. Like in one sense, we're just extras. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus is the star of the show and we should consistently be pointing our attention to him. Gotcha. That's, that's a good word. That's a good word. You know, Malcolm Gladwell, I know a lot of people know that name, did a book, wrote a book entitled David and Goliath. And uh, mm -hmm. I remember it became a quite a, it, it was quite the conversation in the business world uh, because Malcolm's spin on Goliath was that he was this aged, deformed giant and his largeness was really, uh, he was an imposing visible figure but he really did. He really wasn't that big of a threat. The biggest threat was in how he was perceived, and mm -hmm. so that story gets kind of carted off as if you know, you know, Goliath is this again diseased, blind, unbalanced uh, figure that if we really saw him for who he really was, we could easily overcome him. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different twists again that can be um, um, given to the Bible story when you don't have a Christ-centered hermeneutic. Yeah. Uh, and um, and even though there may have been some realities, you know, Malcolm's a smart guy. There may have been some realities that are indeed true, but I believe us as believers, um, as you reminded, we've got to have a Christ-centered hermeneutic to ground the way we see those stories. Yeah, and I uh, love Malcolm Gladwell. You know that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just eat his stuff up. But that's my least favorite of his books. But there are some helpful things in there. But yeah, yeah he's operating on a different worldview than you and I would would start with. So yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Malcolm. We love you, but no. yeah. On everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, next question. Um, you underscored um, how the Bible gave this really grisly description. I mean, mm -hmm. painstaking detail of the enormity, the size, the threat of of Goliath. Right. It just really emphasized that. But then, and then it also tells us the story of, hey, and then he gets killed with a simple stone. Yeah. Uh, is there is there value in seeing that you know that grisly description of the problem and this simple description of the solution? Is mm. there a is there something in there, or am I just you know what's going on? I think so. I think um, I think the description of Goliath is meant to point out the fact that by human means, this dude is just undefeatable. Like. Mm -hmm. He cannot be beaten. I, I said it in the message. It's basically if David and Goliath faced off using normal human means, a hundred times out of a hundred, you know, Goliath wins. And yeah. yet the Lord providentially intervenes in this circumstance. So in a unprecedented, unexpected way, David triumphs over this seemingly unbeatable enemy. Mm -hmm. And I think the principle there is that is there are certain things that we just can't beat in our life, like, you yeah. know, death and sin and hell, the devil. Um, and we need somebody who is going to fight that battle in a unprecedented way. And that's what Jesus did. I, I, I love I was thinking about this text actually last night uh, after I preached the message. and I was like, ooh, maybe that's another beautiful parallel, because after Goliath gets killed with the stone, what does David do? He takes his own sword 
mm-hmm. and cuts off Goliath's head. And I think maybe there's a parallel to what Jesus did where Satan tried to wield death at Jesus. And right. what happened? Jesus took death itself and killed the devil at his own game. So I, I think the it's a wonderful story, but I think also the um, unique or unexpected nature of the victory is mo- meant to point us to the unexpected way that Jesus defanged the devil and beat death and beat health, hell. Everybody expected Jesus to come in as like a king riding on a horse. And he will do that one day, but in order to defeat his enemies in the first place, he did it by laying down his life. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking about the the passage in Corinthians that talks to us about just the foolishness of the gospel. Yeah, uh, the gospel is this incredibly simple message, packed with power, and we sometimes assume that we need something more sophisticated because our problems look massive, multifaceted, complex, and sophisticated. Like this is a mammoth-sized problem. I need more something more than five stones. I need something more than a guy who died on a cross and blah, you know, of course I'm, I'm not, I'm not being pedantic about the, the nature of the gospel, but it's simplicity is sometimes a stumbling block for us. We think we need something fancier yeah. in order to fix our problems. Yeah. The simple truth of the matter is we believe in a supernatural religion. And I think as Westerners who are used to science and used to, you know, explainable cause and effect, sometimes we just need to be reminded that man, God, is a person who involves himself in the affairs of mankind and works beyond the scope of human comprehension. So yeah, I, I need to be reminded that often. I try to explain life on too flat of a plane. Mm-hmm. And even being a Christian, I need to remember there's a whole supernatural element to this life that I don't see. Right, right. I was thinking about something else that you were talking about us as Westerners. You know, I've been reading this book, reading the, misreading the Bible through Western eyes. And because mm-hmm. in America or in Western culture, we have a hero complex. Like we venerate, celebrate, you know, the Lance Armstrongs, pick your names, you know, the, the almost superhuman uh, folks. And so the idea of admitting the prospect of defeat, like saying that life is something we cannot overcome, that is that is unwestern. Mm. Like we, we always believe, oh, if you put your mind to it, you can beat this guy. You just got to try harder. And so there's something almost about our our cultural predisposition that can compete with our sensitivity and openness to the gospel. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Yeah. And and so, hey, we mentioned culture. I do have a question regarding culture. uh, And that is you enumerated uh, several different cultural pieces, cultural Goliaths, I'll call them. Sin, Mm -hmm. death, devil, not being cultural, that's spiritual and ultimate. You, you, You mentioned those. But then you also did a lot of work on outlining you know, COVID-19, social injustice, and other things that are looming that may be really large in people's eyes right now. Yeah. What were the primary cultural forces that you had in your mind as you as you were preparing for this message? Or was there, is there anything else? Yeah, I, I think my burden in this message was to say, um, man, there are some tough things going on right now in our culture and will continue to go on because we live in a fallen, broken world. Like as Jesus said, um, John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. And so believers are going to have trouble in the world that will come in a variety of forms. And we're facing many of those right now. But, but I think what the story of David and Goliath reminds us is that we need to keep those things in eternal perspective. Yes, they are hard. 
yes, they are difficult, but the greater enemies have mm -hmm. been dealt with. You know, as Paul said it, that that right now what we are experiencing is a light and momentary affliction. Now, he didn't mean that like stuff wasn't hard in life. I mean, because mm -hmm. Paul himself, I mean, he faced some incredibly difficult situations, imprisonment, shipwreck, being beaten, being persecuted for his faith, all right. kinds of stuff. He wasn't saying that those things weren't difficult. Mm -hmm. What he was saying is that in comparison to the glory that awaited him, these things were inconsequential. And, and I think the only way that we can have hope when we face our, you know, small G giants is when we remember our big G giants have been dealt with by Jesus. Mm -hmm. And may, maybe that's a little bit countercultural, um, but it's the only, it's the basis of our Christian hope in the midst of suffering and difficulties. We should mourn with those who mourn. We should weep with those who weep. But at the end of the day, we should extend comfort to our brothers and sisters in Christ and say, man, I know this is tough. I know this is difficult, but let's remember that you're not going to hell. Let's mm -hmm. remember that Christ has vanquished sin on your behalf. Um, and that gives us, I think, the proper biblical tone, as Paul said it, we should be sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. So I think that's my burden in that, to keep our giants in perspective in one sense. Gotcha. So moving from kind of what was impressing, uh, impressed on your heart in the larger cultural um, kind of conversation to now more the gospel hope conversation. You know, as you know, we talk often about um, growing in our relationship with God, growing in our relationship with our man, and also growing in our relationship with the world. Which of those three was more plainly in view for you as you were thinking through it? Yeah, I, I think I was thinking a lot about the world in this passage and not in terms of evangelism or making disciples or missions. I think I was really thinking about the idea that in this world, we will face opposition. And so how do we navigate that? How do we, in a faith-filled, Christ-centered way, navigate the troubles that we face in this world? So I, I think that was what's in my mind. Like, the reality is, if you are a follower of Jesus, your life is not going to always go smoothly. That's not what it means to follow Jesus. You will face opposition. And so we need to know how to navigate it in a deep faith-filled way and not just like you know taylor swift was the example i used in the message just shake it off you know because yeah. we can't always just shake those off we we have to learn how to trust god with our troubles yeah yeah so so um let me ask you this we, we've talked about how some of our favorite authors secular and otherwise and and even sunday school teachers have propped up the story of david and goliath for us and and we can extract some 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 real uh, local practical truths from the characters of the story. But why do I need to believe in the gospel, so to speak? What, what, what unique offering does the reconciling hope of the gospel have for me and that I need to trust that in order to fully access the truth of the story? Yeah, I, I think one thing that, um, that, that, a way that this story kind of brings us together it, it reconciles us together is sometimes um, when you're encountering some particular difficulty in your life, you can feel like you are all alone because nobody else has endured that exact circumstance. You know, may, maybe it's a, 
a, a marital difficulty and you're like, nobody understands. I need to talk to somebody who's having a problem just like this. Uh, maybe it's a, you know, as sad as it is a story of sexual abuse or uh, something from your past where you were really hurt or wounded by. And, and those troubles can make us feel isolated from other people. And I think what this story reminds us is that though we all do have unique circumstances in our life, fundamentally, we all have the same problem. We're sinners. The devil is the prince of the power of the air. And because of our sins, we are facing the wrath of God. So mm -hmm. we need a champion to go on our behalf. And thankfully, that champion is Jesus who did the work on our behalf. So I think this displays the reconciling hope of the gospel that reminding us that as human beings, we all ultimately share the same set of difficulties. Our circumstances may be different. We may have our own nuances. And I'm not trying to undermine that, but yeah. remember the fundamental unity that you know, Rod's problem is that he's a sinner. And my problem is that I'm a sinner and I need a rescuer just like Rod needs a rescuer. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, that was um, so powerful message. Looking forward to next week's uh, deposit on that and um, how we can continue to learn about uh, the Lord and his faithfulness. Not so much about David, but, you know, he's a he's an extra in the story. Or he's there. That's right. Uh, yeah. But um but just learn how the Lord wants to work through us in this very complicated landscape of relationships. So well, thank you, Pastor Ryan. Um, looking forward to uh, the next time we Great. are together for the Reconciling Hope podcast. Thanks, Rod. Thanks, Gospel Hope. Thank you for listening to the Reconciling Hope podcast. Be sure to subscribe for future content on podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Gospel Hope Church is located in Atlanta, Georgia, with the mission of making disciples who are growing in the gospel as a family while on mission. If you're interested in learning more, tune into our Facebook Live services Sundays at 11 a.m. or check out gospelhopechurch.com.